Okay, we're learning Dav Ches. We're starting right from the bottom line of Dav Zayin Amin Beis. And uh, this is really, honestly, just a tangent. But we're looking at the same Pasuk that we ended off with yesterday. So a different piece of Agadah, but based on the same Pasuk. So the Gemara says, Rishlakish Amar. In Re'isa Talmud, if you see someone who's trying to learn Torah, a student, Shlimudu Kachal of Kabarza. But it gets, it's going very hard for him. And we're looking at, again, this Pasuk that mentions the iron. What's the shot that it's so hard? Why is the Talmud having such a hard time understanding? And we're talking about in the analysis, in the Pilpal Hadvarim, the answer is, It's all because in the fundamentals, in the Mishnah wasn't organized, right? So that's the basic idea. You have all the Girsos in the Mishnah, the complete text, and then you can do all the analysis in the Gemara. But if you don't have all the clarity of the Mishnah is being Sadr in his mind, then he's not going to be able to, to think it through. Shinamar says in the Pasuk, The reason why he doesn't understand is because he, he messed up what what's meant to come first. And that's what we're, we're explaining, that the Mishnah should have come first. And then this interpretation, Panim, which literally means a face, but the face, like as if to face, to come first. For Ulof Panim Kilka, he didn't have, he messed up, he, he has messed up the order of what should come first and second. So really it should be Mishnah first and then Gemara second. By trying to get too much Gemara before he knew the Mishnah, that's why it's all distorted. So the Gemara now says, Ma'ita Kante. Like, how, what's the solution over here? So the answer is, Yarvi Yeshiva. He should spend more time in Yeshiva. So he goes, what does it mean Yeshiva? So Yeshiva back then meant the time where you got taught all the Mishnahites. That's the point. In other words, okay, it's never too late. Even if now it's gone out of order, but go back to the, to the basics. Shanemar, Bahayalim, Yigaber, that's the continuation of the Pasuk. The Chayalim, all the legions, the, the, the armies, Yigaber, will get stronger and stronger. So the Pasuk then finishes off that even though maybe technically he has a solution to do that and try to play catch up, to have wisdom from the outset is much more beneficial. So what does that mean? It would have been much better if he would have gone in order. All the more so, he would have been matzliach if all the mission would have been arranged properly originally. So even though if you went out of order, maybe you could play catch up and figure it out, but the Yisra the and the Balachachma, the advantage to go in order is definitely bigger. We see this with Rishlakish. He would review in other words, even though Rish Lakish was a huge Balma Fabal in the Gemara, but still he would review all the Mishnah 40 times. Can I get my Yomshin and Torah? Where 40? 40 is connected to the 40 days that Moshe Rabbeinu stood at Har Sinai. So 40 days of learning for him, he had like a, a review session of 40 days of all the Mishnah. And only then would he come in front of Rabbi Yechanan to learn Gemara. Rabbi Yechanan was his Rebbe and brother-in-law, but he would only appear to hear the, the shir after he had chazered for the 40 days. review his Mishnahis 24 times. And the 24 times were Keneged, Torah, Nevi'im, Uksuvim. That was the number 24 where it came from, the 24 books of Tanakh. And then and then he went only at that point, go in front of Rav. I once heard Rav Shach said that in the Gemara they used to spend so much time preparing all the Mishnah before they had the shir. Today the boys know nothing, they hear the shir, and then they want to review the shir 40 times. That was like his big, his big line. That it's more about the you see in the Gemara, it's more about the preparation in the fundamentals than review of the shear afterwards. Says the Gemara, Rava Amar. Very similar point over here, just with a different understanding of the problem. You have a you have a Talmud and he's just not getting it. He's trying, but it's not being matzliah. What's the reason? It's because he had a Rebbe that didn't smile at him. He had a Rebbe that he didn't have a good experience with. There was a there was it was something wrong with the Panim. Again, here we're saying Panim, but here instead of saying Panim, there was the Mishnah out of order. We have a different interpretation. Panim is the face. It messed up the face, meaning the face is only supposed to smile, smile at the kid, make him feel good when he's learning. But he didn't have that experience, and that's why he's having a hard time learning now. So how do you fix it? So he should try to. This is what's interesting. It's on the kid now when he's grown up to try to you know, make amends over here. So he should send his friends over to the Revi and try to get, get closer to him. 
Shinemar says in the Pasuk, that's the continuation of a Chayolim Yigaber, that he should, he should have like legions and armies which will get strong. So that means he should send people over to the Rebbe uh, to, to get closer to him now. But it would have been better from the outset if he would have been smart. It would have been better if his behavior would have been pleasing to, pleasing to the teacher in the first place. So it's super unclear who's at fault here, right? Is it the Rebbe's fault or is it the kid's fault? The Gemara initially seems to be saying it's the Rebbe's fault for not, for not smiling at him. But then Lamaisa, we're putting it on the Talmud and we're saying it would have been better advantage for him had in his Maisim been better Meikara, would have been more, you know, Bechint in front of the Rebbe, the Rebbe would have been better at him. But Lamaisa, this is the way it works. Whoever the Rebbe invests more in, is nicer to, whatever it is, Lamaisa goes further. Says the Gemara Marbami. Now we're looking at the next Pasuk here. So it's interesting, we're just darshaning these Pesukim here um, from Koalas. We're just darshaning the next Pasuk. So Amar Avami, my Dechsif. We have the next Pasuk here, continuation. If the snake bites because it wasn't Lachash. So Lachash literally means like in the Pashupshan, the Pasuk, it didn't have a charm. Like sometimes there are snake charmers who can make sure that the snakes don't bite. So if the snakes bite because it wasn't charmed, then the person who has speech has no advantage. So basically, the Pashupshan, the Pasuk is, if you have a power of speech and you could charm a snake, you better use it, right? Because if the snake bites and, and, and you didn't, you were responsible because you could have done something about it and you didn't. So what's, what's, what's really going on in this Pasuk? What's the homiletical understanding? If you see a generation, the sky is rusty like copper, meaning that it's dry, it's dusty. And this really comes back from the Pasuk and the Tokacha that describes that, that the Shemayim sometimes is like copper when it's not raining, when our Baruch was punishing us. So if we see such a thing, and it's failing to give us dew and rain, what is the reason? Because the generation doesn't have people who are who are, who are talking. What does that mean, the people who are talking? People who are davening. It's all felt in tefillah. And the reason is because a lachash, lachash is like silent speech. And silent speech specifically is, is a reference to davening because the type of, we're supposed to say the words, but we're supposed to say it silently. So if you see the generation that it, the rain and dew is not coming, it's because they don't, they're not davening properly. So what's the, the fix now? They should go to people who know how to, how to, how to, how to daven. That his colleagues, his friends should daven on his behalf. So go to the tzadik, somebody will daven on their behalf. Says the Gemara of Inyas and Labal Lashon. What's the continuation here in the Pasuk? That uh, there's no advantage at all to the Baal Lashon, to the one who has the power to speech. And if somebody has the ability to daven, he has the ability to talk. And he doesn't use it, he doesn't utilize it, he doesn't daven properly. What benefits does he have? And the Gemara seems to be saying, it's like in a practical point, it's a very interesting point. The Shrambit like takes this Gemara, it's like, my Yisrael, like, what do you have to gain? What do you have to gain by not davening? Meaning, if you have the koach to do it, you may as well do it because the benefit is there. And he describes that there's so much bracha that our Baruch wants to give us, but simply he's waiting for us to daven. So my yis in the Baal Lashon, the takeaway is everything we could get punished is because if we don't daven, we don't ask for it. And uh, well, you think you're gaining whatever time it is by not davening. No, you have no advantage because then you just don't get the bracha Hashem wants to give you. Says the Gemara, what's the obvious, and this is the obvious continuation that we're, is in our minds. What happens if you do ask, but Lamaisa, you weren't answered. Then what's the fix? What should you do if you, to bring the rain when you're at, when you're davening and Hashem doesn't answer? So you go to a special chasr, and he specifically is able to bring it. So sometimes there's a concept that a yachid asks is not answered, the community as well, but there's a tzadik who can make it happen. Shinemar, Ba'itzav, Allah, Mavkiah. So it's Avalov and Mavgia, they commanded the Mafgia. So the word Mafgia, we saw a few times here, is a reference to Tfila. The ain't Pigia Ela Tfila. The word Pigia, usually Pigia means like a confrontation of some sorts. But in this context, Pigia means to Davin. Shinemar, it says here by Moshe Rabinu. 
But the Torah, he was told, don't daven at all. We saw that last week's parsha, right? Was a reference to Yaakov Vinu davening. So that's where we should go, at least to get to a tzaddik to intercede. We're about halfway down to and What happens if he did speak? The master of the speech here, the Baal Lushan, he comes along and he does daven. And he's matzliach. Hashem answers. Megas died to our love. And he takes that as a sign of greatness. You know, he becomes haughty and arrogant because he was answered. Maybe aflaylam. What that does is that that causes anger to be brought to the world. Meaning, our Kaddish Baruch was very upset at someone who was haughty because he was answered in davening. Shenamar. We look at the Pasuk here in Yov. Mikna af. When someone is Kone, the, the, the anger is because of his riding up, meaning his rising up. What brings HaKadosh Baruch Hu's anger to, to a person? When he rises himself up, he picks himself up, and he says, oh, I was the one who made HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring the rain. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is upset at the world. Says the Gemara, another way to look at that Pasuk. If you have two different Tamil in the same city, meaning they don't see eye to eye in Halacha. So it's an interesting uh, lashon that's used. It, 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 it's a beautiful idea because the Gemara doesn't say they agree on everything, right? It's impossible. And the Gemara says, Lo Kodu doesn't apply to two different Bate Dinim. It's because, the Ramam says the famous reason is that it's impossible for every Tamil Chacham to see it the same way. No one's expecting that the Derech of Torah is that everybody agrees. But the Gemara is pointing out that there's something else. To be Noach means to be, to be receptive, to be pleasing, right? Like Noach is Bachain. So there's something to it where there, there's one thing to agree, there's another thing to be closed off. And the Gemara is saying that if they're not so then they make HaKadosh Baruch upset and it brings the anger on themselves. And this is the idea because again, we're assuming that it comes from something of arrogance. So if they're rising themselves up and they say, oh, whatever anyone else says isn't right, then they bring anger to themselves. Now we look at another interpretation. So the first interpretation that we brought in the Pasuk of the snake, the person who could charm the snake and doesn't use it, we saw was a reference to davening. That if those who are able to daven and don't daven, there's big issues. Davening is the way that we get bracha. But now the Gemara brings a different understanding. The snake bites because it wasn't charmed. Then what advantage is there to the person who, who has the power of speech, who's able to charm the snake? So we can say homiletically what it means is all the animals in the future will come to the snake. But they'll say to the snake, we don't understand your teva. We understand that a lion attacks because afterwards it eats it. Zave, a wolf as well, tyre, it may, it may tear its stuff, but then it enjoys. So meaning, we can understand aggression if we see the benefit. We understand what's motivating the animal. But when you bite do you, do, and you kill a person, do you have a no? And you swallow a rabbit or something, okay, you can't understand. But when you go over to a person and you bite him and you kill them, what, what benefit did you get from doing that? So it's not, it's a malicious activity without any benefit. What's shy you do this? Amalam, the snake answers, what, and the master of speech has advantage? Meaning, you want to sin, you want to, you want to hop a good cheeseburger, okay, awesome, we could understand, there's a geschmack in it, there's benefit, there's pleasure. Because there's something that's forbidden, there's pleasure, it's understandable. But the one sin that is possible, that there's no understanding for it is, when we talk behind other people's back, there's no anah. You say lashonar about somebody, it's geschmack, there's anah, you get better, you're, you're, you're further in life because of it. So usually it's not. So in the Baal Lashon, so this is where it all comes from. This is what's so interesting, how the snake, this idea of how he used the power of speech to twist and turn to manipulate what it is that he wanted. So now the snake remains as in the Bria, someone who has no anah from his maizim, and it remains us. It's like a taina on us for saying Lashonara without any pleasure at all. It's just more about the midas inside than about getting any pleasure outside. 
Says the Gemara, Tefillah is not going to be Mekobo. We're going back to that because we discussed Tefillah. And he's not going to be Mekobo unless he puts his, hand, his heart in his hands. So that's very, you know, poetic. What does it mean to put one's heart in their hands? So obviously it means sincerity. That's the point. That it's, uh, you know, it says in the Pasuk, in the Gemara Kosh, Nisa el kapayim. Let's lift up our hearts with our hands up to Shammai. So in other words, the idea is that Hands raised is an outward expression of tefillah, right? Moshe picks up his hands and, you know, you see like demonstrations, a person, feel, they put up their hands. So the question is, where's your heart there? Is it inside? Okay, that's not working. The heart's got to get somehow transferred outside. That's sincerity and then the tefillah is answered. Salak Gemara, is that true? Shmuel darshan, an amora for himself and any darshan. So what does that mean to put an amora? Remember that amora is the human, the human loudspeaker, right? It was hard to be heard. So then you would whisper the shear to the... To, to the Amor, and then the Amor would say it out loud. So Shmuel did this, and he darshed, and it says in the Pasuk, so we have a long Pesukim here from Tehillim, Tehillim Ayin Ches. So, so they were talking about people who, who are lying and bad, the hearts are not, are not sincere with the Kalash Baruch Hu, they don't keep the bris of Hashem, and then what's the, well, we're talking about bad people, right? Lying, deceitful, cheating people, and then what's the next Pasuk? What's the next Pasuk? Forgives. So it sounds like that's exactly what it's saying, that Hashem listens to the tefillah and his mechaper when we daven, when we daven, even if we're not necessarily sincere. Right? It says, their heart isn't with their tefillah, and still when they daven, so we have a stira. Ravami is saying that the tefillah is only makubal with sincerity. Here we see in the positive, even insincere tefillah is accepted. So the more answer is low kasha. Ravami is saying that it's not accepted unless it's sincere. That's when a private person is davening. Shmuel was talking about Tefillah B'tzibor. Tefillah B'tzibor is accepted even without the sincerity of everyone. So it's an interesting lashon here. What does the Gemara mean? So I thought it just means that if you're, even if you're not sincere, but if you dive in B'tzibor, then, 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 then your tefillah is accepted. That's what, that's what I thought the Pasha B'sha'an and the Gemara is. I said, look at Rashi. Rashi's lashon B'tzibor is the tefillah the tzibor is heard even though not all of them are sincere. The vart isn't that your tefillah when you're davening with a minion is makubal even though you're not sincere. That's not the vart. There's something called tefillah's hatzibor. And the power of tefillah's hatzibor is heard even though not everyone of the tzibor is sincere. That's the vart. There's, there's a shame from tefillah's yachid, which is makubal even without sincerity. And there's a shame of tefillah's sibor. And the, the hashivas from tefillah's sibor, how whatever exactly it's able to achieve, that mailah doesn't require a full sincerity from everyone in the tzibor. That's what it means. Okay, says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Ami, What makes rain fall? Rain comes for the people who are honest in business. Bali Amana, people who are honest, they're trustworthy people, that's what makes rain fall. Truth sprouts out of the earth. And Sedek, the Tzedakah, is going to put from Shemaim. So meaning to say, when people, there's, people are, have truth in, their, in, their, in, the, in the way that they do things, then the, what pours down from Shemaim, which is a reference to rain, it comes down. So rain comes because people are honest, which makes sense again, right? Rain is a, for the, for the Parnassus, so if Hashem knows that we're going to be honest with it, then He gives it. Look how great they are. From people who can keep their word. From the story with the weasel and the pit. So this is an interesting story. Rashi goes by Rikos. What exactly is the story? There was a case, a very interesting story. It almost sounds like a little Disney story over here. But there was a girl who fell into a pit and she was stuck and she couldn't get out. A boy came and he said, I'll help you only on condition that you end up marrying me. The girl said, okay. 
And they said, well, who's going to be witnesses? Who's going to, you know, who are the Edom over here to our little agreement? So they said that the pit and a weasel who was passing by should bear testimony to their agreement that they're doing. Then they went separately. But what happened was the girl was waiting every day. Maybe the boy is going to come back and marry her. She's not going to marry anybody until the boy comes back. But the boy goes off. He marries, marries somebody else. He has another life. But what happened was is that... Um, is that the, the boy ended up, all those kids were dying, and one of them died from a weasel, one of them died from falling in a pit. So it seemed that the weasel and the pit, who were testimony to this original agreement between the boy and the girl, were keeping strong. And eventually, the boy and the girl reconciled, and they may have happily ever after. So this is an interesting story. But the point, that what the Gemara wants from the, from the Chod of Abar, is that you gotta be honest, right? And the Chod of Abar teaches us the power of keeping your word. Okay, says the Gemara, Umama, man, will hold of a car, because somebody trusts even in a weasel in a pit. CEC has such a thing happen. All the more so that uh, there's no breach of promise from Hashem. Zok the Gemara. This is a difficult line. Anyone who makes himself better down here on earth, then he's judged more strictly up in Shemayim. The more you make yourself better here, the more strict HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges you. Shenemar MS it's sprouts from the earth, and justice will come from Shemaim. So meaning like, the more emistic you are here, the more then, then there's a tzedek, there's a strict justice with you up in Shemaim. So everyone wants to know what in the world is a pshan, this gemara. It sounds like the better you are, the more strict the judgment. So it sounds like, yeah, there's a little bit about this. That's the, the perspective. So in other words, the point is, is that HaKadosh Baruch wants Sadiqim to be purified and get the Olam without any need to punishment. So the better, the more you improve here, then the Maisa, there will be a stricter justice. But obviously, in the long run, it is worth it. That's one understanding. A different understanding than more completely different understanding is that the person isn't actually necessarily better. It just means that he's uh, he's mastic as atma, which is like you hear it in the words, you know? He says that he's better, but it's not actually 100% uh, truthful. Okay, continues the Gemara. The way that we fear Hashem, corresponding to that, is the way that we evoke the anger from Hashem. Um, uh, punishes those who, who, are, who are too happy. But the Rachacha is Guru, still in their ways, you will call them for good. You become angry because you have sinned. Through the sufferings, we'll go to Olam Abbas. So clearly, what's going on in the Pasuk is even when Hashem is punishing the, the, the Sadiqim, it's through those punishments that they're going to go to Olam Abbas. A person is able to find a simcha. He's able to find a sense of fulfillment when a Yisurin come. Maybe Yeshua brings a Yeshua to the world. As we said, not only is the person safe, but the whole world is safe through that. Back to the discussion here with the rain. Hold back to heaven. There's not going to be rain. What is netzar? Netzar means like it wants to give it, but it's withheld. It's restrained. So when that happens, what's it like? It's like a woman who's in labor but can't give birth. Like the labor, the the, the process has begun, but it can't come out. It says this lashon of restraining, holding back by the rain. It says it by the woman as well. Top of the base. Shinemar, we look at a pasuk here with Avi Melech. He also asks Hashem ba'ad korechem. The punishment for Avi Melech is that they, nothing could come out of the body. Shinemar atzira b'kisham b'chsiva atzira sevimai. Shinemar laid the bishah. It also describes a woman giving birth. Shinemar laid the bishah. Similarly, there's laid with the rain. Shinemar laid the bishah. The chsiva tahar v'atelid beim. So we see lashon v'atelid, and we see with rain also. Shinemar laid the bishah. The chsiva. The pasuk the from for fast days. Behold, lidav the hitzmicha. The rain makes it. The earth give 
birth, literally. And we see the Lashon as well, Pekida, Pekida to remember, to allow like conception to happen. Remember Pekida Be'isha to Siv, Hashem Pakad Esara. Remember Pekida Be'isha to Siv, Pakad Esara, Esara, you remember the earth and you water it. Rabbi Sashon, Apala, Kalokim, Alimai. You enriched it Hashem's, from Hashem's pool of water. Says the Gemara, what is this pool of water? My Pelagalokim Mali Mayim Tana says in a Bryce, it can mean Kuba Yishbarikia. It's like a whole chamber up in Jamai filled with water, Shemani Shamiyotin, the rain comes out from there. Now we're going to see in tomorrow's Daf at this beauty between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua if the world is watered from the oceans or from the, cha- the water up in Jamai. Meaning, is it the evaporation it goes up and goes down, or is it just the chamber in Jamai that comes out? So it sounds like right here we're describing as if there's, there's, a, there's a chamber of, ra- of rain up in Jamai, but we'll see more about this discussion tomorrow. Says the Gemara, Amar Shmuel Barachmini Ma'adisiv. What is the meaning in the pasuk in Eov? Im l'shevet im la'arzo im l'chesed yamtiyehu. The rain comes, whether it's like a, a a a staff. A staff is usually something that you hit somebody with, or for the land, or for chesed. So it sounds like there are different ways that potentially the rain can come. Im l'shevet. The Rakhadosh Baruch Hu says that the rain can come as a shevet. It could be a violent downpour that's destructive. So then what happens? But l'maisa motivates people to do teshuva. Then b'hamagvos. Then what happens is that the violent rains, that the ones that shouldn't hurt, will be thrown to the mountains and the valleys where people don't live. Meaning, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Gozer, that because the people were bad, that the rain should come in the form that it will be destructive, if the people repent, then it will go off to a place where no one will be harmed. The said, and if the decree was good, that it should fall gently, then will make sure that it comes to the fields and the vineyards where all the crops are and things will, 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 will grow. In the Shevet, who said it should be like a Shevet, that it would be, um, again, like punishment. If they then repent, then it can go for the trees. In La'artov, it's for the land, Lizram will fall on the plants. If it's for Chesed, then it will fill even Barosichan Ma'oros. So the second part that we're dashing is there's like three levels of things. There's rain that is good for the tree, harder rains, gentler rain, which is good for the seeds. And then there's such a level of rain that not only are the crops going to grow, but we even get a surplus of water to fill like the, you know, a supply, the reservoirs that fills up the cisterns and the caves. Says the Gemara story here, there were two problems. There was a famine and there was also a plague, a famine and a plague together. So they said, what's the Mahalach? What should we daven for? If we go and we daven, that Hashem should remove both. He should take away the famine and the plague. We have an idea that we don't daven for two things together. And the Gemara is going to tell us what the source is that we don't daven for two things. But evidently, we'll trust for Gemara right now, we don't daven for two things. So So we have to pick. So which should we pick, for the plague or the famine? We should pray that the plague should go away. And we'll, we'll endure the famine. Meaning it makes sense to say that that was just the Metzias. The, the, the plague was deadlier than the famine was at the time. So no, just the opposite. Even though it seems that, that, that you should daven for the plague, but just the opposite. We should daven for the famine to go away. Because when our Kaddish Baruch Hu gives seva, when he gives sustenance, when he gives food, he gives it only for people who could live. So therefore, if Hashem is going to give us food, it's just going to cause that it's, we're going to have to have the plague be over. So therefore, it makes more sense to daven for the Famine. Where do we see that Hashem gives the food for the living? So is going to answer us for the for the famine. It's going to be a sense of chiyos. The plague will have to end. Now we go back to the premise. The premise was that we don't daven for two things together. So the Gemara says, Where do we see from a pasuk that we don't daven for two things together? It says here in the pasuk in Ezra. 
this is the context of the Pasuk they were davening to go back to Yerushalayim. They had a bunch of hurdles in going back. A lot of, a lot of problems with the government, so on and so forth. So they davened, let's daven for Hashem for this. So really there were other things that they, that, they, that they could have and should have davened for, but they didn't. And the reason was because you don't daven for Hashem, for, from Hashem for two things at the same time. But my Rav Amish with Rav Chagai in the West in Eretz Yisrael they say the name of Chagai Mehachal. Actually, we look at it a different pasuk, a pasuk from Daniel. We should ask mercy from Hashem for this secret. It sounds like there's another thing that we would daven for, but Lamaisa we're not davening for it because we don't daven for two things at the same time. Says the Gemara, similar thing about two things at the same time. Be may Rebzera in the days of Rebzera, because Rebzera, the government here is making a decree. And, and what was it? Whenever you see a decree in the Gemara, it's an interesting thing. The Gemara doesn't say what it was. Astam Gzeira means like Shmad, like the point is like not to be religious, right? Not to observe the Torah Mitzvah. So there was one Indian that they weren't supposed to be um, from. That was one thing that they were dealing with. And another thing is that they said the Jews are not allowed to fast for rain. Why? Because very interesting thing. They need rain also, the government. But they didn't want that the Jews should be the ones, the catalyst for the rain to come. So they said two things. You're not allowed to be religious. And number two, no fasting. No public fast days for you Jews. Those were the two things. So the question is, which should we go for? We should be makabal the fast now. I mean, we, they, it was dangerous to actually fast. The government said he wasn't allowed to. But we, we should be makabal the fast. And by accepting that yoke, the neder of fasting now, in that schos, we could have it good, and whenever the decree will ever go away, then we'll actually go ahead and observe the fast. So meaning the point that Reb Zeir is saying is that being the Kabbal Atayinus, that itself gives you the schos, which is equivalent to fasting itself. So Amulei, they said to Reb Zeir, maybe you actually have to fast. Who says Kabbalah Atayinus itself is the schos? He brought from the Pasuk here, and this is what we were looking at with Daniel, just a little bit of context here with Daniel to understand. Daniel, Daniel lives at a time, Daniel is in, is in, uh, is in the Persian Empire. But he's living in the time with King Koresh, uh, and, King, and the King Koresh was the one who was rebuilding the second base of Mikdash. So, like we know, like the Perm story, like Achashverosh. So after that, there's his son, Dayavesh, may have been Esther's son, maybe, yeah, maybe not, we learned in Rosh Hashanah, and then Koresh. So Koresh was the one who actually is able to start the construction of the Beis HaMikdash. The whole Perm story happened because they didn't know when the Beis HaMikdash was going to be rebuilt. Eventually, Koresh comes along and says, all right, I allow you to build, to build it. But he gives them permission, but Lamaisa, they go up to Israel and they encounter all these hardships. It's not, it's not getting done. The Kusum are stopping them. They have financial issues. Mostly the real issue is that they didn't have enough support. There were a few, few 10,000 Jews who went up from Bavel, but that's not enough people to you know, rebuild the state of Israel. So they were davening and there was a lot of issues back and forth with courage. So one of the main things was the lobbying from some of the personalities who were in Persia at the time. The lobbying with the king was very important the politically. Being in touch with the king was very important. So this is what Daniel was dealing with. And Daniel did absolute fasting. He fasted like for years and years straight. This chus of uh, his fasting was supposed to bring the base of Mikdash. So he, in the Pasuk says, the angels were told Daniel, don't be afraid. From the day that you set your heart to fast in front of Hashem, all your feelings were answered. I mean, that's what it says in the Pasuk, that as soon as Daniel was Mechabal Vatainus, everything was good. He fasted, okay, he fasted. But the Kabbalah itself was already where it all came from. Says the Gemara, even if there's years of drought, like the years of Elio, remember we learned about that with Elio, the whole thing about Daf Gimel, about whether or not the dew is ever restrained. We, we referenced that a little bit before. At any rate, even if there was a drought, like in the times of Elio and Achav, let's say it rains on a Friday. 
If it rains on a Friday, I love Simon Klala. It's a Simon of Klala. Why? Because on Friday, people are out. They have to go to the market. They have to buy things. So if it rains, then that's a Klala. And what's the point? Even if the world desperately needs the rain, it's as bad as other times of Elio. But to rain on a Friday is really, really bad. A rainy day is as bad as a day in court. It's like saying, it's like jury jury. What do you have today? I have jury jury. What do you have today? Oh, it rained today. The point is that rain can be very inconvenient. If not for the fact, very interesting line in the Gemara, if not for the fact that rain was needed by the world, and we would have gotten rid of it because the Maisa, it stops people from going. And the Marshal explains, Amimar was really saying, it stops people from coming to the base measures, right? You give a shear and it rains, it's bad weather, people aren't going to come. So it's very frustrating. But the world needs it. So what's going on here? It's an unbelievable thing that the symbol of the thing in life, which is the biggest bracha, Right? This is always when Asatim Tarz, Achabitam, all of this, so on and so forth, is also the Simon in life for the biggest problem, for the biggest Klala. It's the thing that's most inconvenient, it troubles people. People would have, not for the fact it was absolute necessity, but it would have been a Vatalit. It's an absolutely powerful thing that the biggest Brach in life could also be the biggest Klala. And what does it determine? It's all about, at the end of the day, whether it's the right time. Like, that's why we understand why the Gishme Bracha, Chazal describe a Friday night, because that's the time when it rains, and it's also not inconveniencing people. Meaning, context is everything. Sometimes you get the biggest bracha. If you're ready for it, and it's not disturbing, and it's fit for right now, it's the best. Other times, you could have every gift in the world, but if it's not in the right time, it's a klala. That's the, the takeaway, pretty much. Says Gemara Amar B'Yishchak. Shemesh b'Shabbat stakal aniyim. If there's a good sunshine on Shabbos, it's a good gift for the Aniyim. Why? What in the world is going on here? So Chazal definitely believe that the sun has curative powers. It's very good, meaning people aren't necessarily in good shape, like the poor homeless people outside. But when there's a good sun, it's very good for their stomach. So meaning when a person is, uh, is used to eating, this is real, the real claw. You give a poor man a steak. What, are you doing something good or something bad? Amai said something bad. Why? Because his stomach is not used to it and he can't eat it. And it's a claw. That's like the worst, right? The, the poor gets poorer, the Gemara and Baba Kama says, this type of thing. You give, they can't handle the good food because their stomachs aren't used to it. But on Shabbos, if there's a Gishmak of sunlight and they eat what they're not used to eating, then they'll be okay. That the sun comes from you with those who fear Hashem and everything will be good. And the Hasidim bring down this Gemara that it means it's not only we're all the poor people. It's a very interesting diary. We're all the poor people. So Pshad is that on Shabbos, what happens is that we can't handle it. We can't handle the Irish. We can't handle the Hashpah. We can't handle all of what it is. Because we're not holding there. We're just like, okay, like going to Shabbos, everything's supposed to be good. But there's a, that's what it means. There's an extra light. There's an extra light that Taka that makes us shy to it on Shabbos. And this really goes back to Yadu Yom HaKshamim we were talking about the day before. Even every pruta in your purse is blessed through it. Meaning, what does that mean, every pruta? If you're in investment banking and it's raining and the, the farmers are making money, so you're going to say, what does it have to do with me? I don't need the crops. No, every aspect of life, every industry, every business is blessed on a day of rain. So I saw once from the Ben Yadu this is a very nice idea. He says, it's not such a deep thing. It's a very practical point. This is whenever one, 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 one economy is doing well, then it affects the other economy, right? So if the farmers have more and there's a greater supply and there's more in the markets and people are buying more, give out, then every single thing is going to do better. So whether or not, you know, you're selling shmatas, so if you're selling shmatas, the shmata business is going to do better if it rains. says Where do you find bracha? Only in something hidden. Meaning you don't talk about it. You don't count it. It's not that that's ayin hara type of thing. Shenema yisav Hashem v'tochas abracha. Where is Hashem going to command the bracha? Ba'asa mecha. So that word literally means a silo. 
But at la, but we're, we're dashing yeah, homiletically like samoy something which you can't be seen. similar thing. has to be something that the eye doesn't see, doesn't catch on. Someone who's going to measure how much grain he has in his silo. So he's bringing, he's brought everything in, and now he's going to measure it. So this should be a special, a special bracha. There should be bracha in everything we have. But once he already started measuring, thank you, Hashem, for, for sending bracha in this pile, um, in this pile of grain here. And then once he's already measured, and then only then he makes the bracha. Because once he measured what it is that's there, you'll not find bracha on something weighed, measured, or counted. If you want the bracha, notice you're davening. What are you davening for once it's there? You're not like, oh, it's magically going to be more. But what you're davening for is that slacha in the grain, that the grain should be masliach, it should make good bread, whatever it is that you want to come from the grain. All the bracha should be before it's measured, before there's a specific amount that should be there to it. Continues the Gemara a little bit. We're going to have a bunch of things from Rabbi Yechanan. The Gemara actually, you see, has a simon for it. The first, the first thing is that the day of rain is as good like the day of Kibbutz Goliath. When Hashem is going to brag, gather in all the exiles. Hashem will return our exile like the Afikim in the, in, in the desert. What are Afikim? Afikim are Matar because they're streams from rain. That's what Afikim are, streams of water. So it's a reference. Hashem should return the exile kafikim banegev, just like the day of rain. Says the Gemara Amar Biyochem Ekol Biyom Aksham. You know how great rain is. Shafilu Geisos Poskusbo. Even if you have a great army, if they travel, you can't travel. It's too muddy, right? What does the soldier, the commander, say? The commander says, "Wait, if it's too muddy, it's not going to travel." It makes the legions rest. So even if if it's too rainy, even the great armies have to stop moving. And one more Amar Biyochem in Aksham Nesar Nelushul Potsi Tzakov Rabbi Veinosim. You know why rain is withheld? Yesterday, I think we had five different sins. We've got to add this one to the list. Those who pledge tzedakah publicly, right? They say, I'm going to give X, Y, and Z, so they don't follow through. Shinemar, they see it, Ruach, Yashamayim, clouds and wind, but there's no rain. What's pshat? It's Nahalamat Shekhar, because a man is getting praise for a gift that he never gave. So he's getting all the covet because he was night of and he didn't give it, and the rain and the clouds are withheld. Shkoyach.